Today's reading is from Acts 2, chapter 1 to 2:21. When the day of Pentecost had come, the apostles were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them, the, uh, gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because one heard them each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, El Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Pyrigia, and Pamphylia. Egypt and the parts of Libya belonged to Crene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and prostitutes proselytes, Cretans, and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoke, smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Gospel of our Lord. It's a relatable story, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, who among us hasn't had one of those mornings where you've gathered together with others and suddenly out of nowhere a violent wind whips up, flames appear over your heads, and you can start speaking other languages that maybe you never even knew existed? It's just classic experience, right? <laughs> Obviously, I'm being a little bit sarcastic because I'm guessing uh, that many of you, not all of you, but many of you have never experienced the Holy Spirit this dramatically. And maybe you hear a story like this and you wonder if that means your faith isn't as strong as it ought to be. Or maybe you hear a story like this and you think, oh gosh, there's no way that it actually, like in history, factually happened like this. 
And then you wonder if that means your faith isn't as strong as it ought to be. So if you are feeling this way, I'm sorry. Thinking about the Holy Spirit shouldn't fill you with an inferiority complex. And contrary to public opinion, we don't gather here at church to make ourselves feel worse than we ought to. What we do here at church is we do gather to proclaim God's love for us, and then we name God's presence in our lives and in our world. But that's difficult when we talk about the Holy Spirit. She's an elusive one. And scripture gives us stories like this that seem fantastical and implausible to our modern sensibilities. And yet, the Holy Spirit is alive and active in so many ways in our world once we learn to see her. So when it comes to naming the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our world, I think we've got to make an important distinction. There's a difference between focusing on the way that the Holy Spirit comes and focusing on the works that the Holy Spirit produces. Now, too often, I think we've put the emphasis on the former. We hear stories like this, and we suppose that that's just how the Holy Spirit shows up. With dramatic events, with certainty of belief and speech, with deeds of power. That's what we read about in the Bible. That's what we hear emphasized in other places in Christianity. And so that's how we are trained to think that the Holy Spirit always comes in powerful, observable, undeniable ways. And yes, sometimes the Holy Spirit does show up that way, but the Holy Spirit has a lot more depth than that. She's not a one-trick pony. Yes, she comes with wind and flame today, but the Spirit is equally pre present in our quiet contemplation, in our intimate conversations, in courageous convictions, in the ways we show up to make a difference in the community, and in our honest expressions of grief and pain. She is there in the ordinary waters of the baptismal font. She's in the humble bread and wine we take at this table. She is present in the wonder and curiosity that drive your passions. And she's present in the questions and qualms that you have about your faith lives that perhaps you see, see as weakness. I even think I've seen the Holy Spirit showing up in people who aren't Christian. She is everywhere, coming to the world in as many ways as we can receive her. And the best way to look for her is to not look at how she shows up, but to look at what she accomplishes. I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, um, but I want to make a side note. You might have noticed that when I talk about the Holy Spirit this ser sermon, I'm using the pronouns she and her and hers. This might or might not be something that you're accustomed to, so I just wanted to give a word of explanation. In the Bible, which part of it was written in Hebrew, the Hebrew word for spirit is feminine. 
And in Greek, the other language that the Bible's written in, it's gender neutral. So there is a case to be made that I'm simply trying to be accurate to our biblical text. But I'm also talking about the Holy Spirit this way to underscore the point that we are all trained to think about God in certain ways. And God is always going to be bigger than the ways that we think about God. The church has typically used he and him and his to describe God, and that's totally okay. But we all know that God is bigger than that, especially God the Holy Spirit, who's moving and sneaking around this whole creation. So let these pronouns bear witness to the Holy Spirit of God who refuses to be pinned down by our puny attempts to constrain her with our human logic and systems of power. So how do we put our finger on such a slippery side of our God? I think we're more likely to see the Holy Spirit if we quit worrying about how she comes and where she's going to show up, and we start looking for where she's been and the works she's produced, and we look for her fingerprints traced out across this whole creation. And like each of us, the Holy Spirit has a very unique fingerprint. You see it in today's scripture. The Holy Spirit shows up to the apostles, and a tongue of fire rests on each one, and they begin praising God's mighty deeds. But here's the catch. The apostles praise God in a language that is foreign to them. The Holy Spirit gives them and gives each one of us something to say, but we don't get to say it unless we say it in a language that isn't our own. That's the fingerprint of the Holy Spirit, is when someone's world expands, when someone's world opens up, when someone is able to connect with the world or themselves or the community in a new way. That is the way that we know that the Holy Spirit has been at work. You see, the Holy Spirit in today's God, or, uh, scripture reading isn't interested in the apostles being self-congratulatory and reveling and resting in the reality that God has come close to them. The Spirit is among them to expand their world by giving them a new language. That's how you know the Spirit's presence, is when in your life you feel your world begin to expand by the ways that you acquire another language. And I'm not just talking about the things that you learn at school that are going to fulfill some sort of foreign language requirement. The Spirit might give you something to say in the language of music or engineering or gardening or athletics or medical care, anything that connects us to the world around us and brings forth our praise of God in a new, deeper way. So I saw this language acquisition at work this past week. I went to PRISM, which is the food shelf our church works with over in Golden Valley. PRISM's mission is to be a safe and dignified place for people to come to get their basic needs met. But in order to do this, in order to carry out their mission, they found that they needed to speak 
new languages. They needed to learn how to speak the language of people experiencing food insecurity. And yes, that meant they had to actually learn languages other than English. So when you go to PRISM, all the signs are in English and in Spanish and in Russian. Those are the three most common languages of their clients there. But they also had to learn the languages of what motivates the people they serve. They had to learn what makes hungry people afraid and what gives people experiencing food insecurity hope. So PRISM's mission, for example, it's not to entertain young children. Their mission is to feed people. But a lot of people come to PRISM with young children, with one or two or three or four. So they had to learn to speak the language of childhood. And so now every space in their building has plenty for busy young bodies to occupy themselves with. There's a play area in the food shelf that, so when the parents shop, the kids can just be drawing on a chalkboard. And when you go to the bathroom, there are changing tables there, and there are whole packets of baby wipes that you can just take with you as a parent. In the lobby, there's a wishing well filled with toys that young kids can take with them to keep when they leave. They learned this language of childhood. PRISM's mission, it has nothing to do with immigration policy or enforcement. Their mission is to feed people. But a lot of people they work with are refugees or immigrants. Some of the people they work with are undocumented. So they had to learn the language of being an immigrant in this country. And so now PRISM trains all of their staff and volunteers to never talk about or ask for someone's papers. Because they know if someone's afraid that visiting the food shelf is going to get them locked up in a detention center or deported, then they're not going to get food. They're not going to seek help. They had to learn this language of living as an immigrant in this country. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. PRISM, they're a secular organization. They're not Christian. I'm not sure that they would use this language to describe themselves, but I can't look at them and see it any other way. The fingerprints of the Holy Spirit are stamped all over that organization because they've done a good job of learning languages, of having their world opened and expanded just as the apostles found themselves doing 2,000 years ago on that first Pentecost. The Spirit wove those disciples into one community. The Spirit is weaving prism into one community and the West Metro into one community as we learn each other's languages and as we connect with each other with dignity. And that is the Spirit's end game here. The Spirit has an agenda, and that is it. It's to weave us into one community across this whole earth, standing to praise God's goodness in as many languages as we can muster until this whole world becomes the love song that God intended from the beginning of creation. And here's the promise. The Holy Spirit will stay with us until that day comes. 
The Spirit came with fire and wind on that day of Pentecost. She came with water and words in your baptisms. And she is still showing up in your lives, guiding you forward into a future where there is nothing that is guaranteed save for her presence with us. May you know her holy presence among you and for you, and may you praise her with languages that you do not yet know. Amen.